Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you for downloading this podcast or for clicking play. Whichever one you did, that's fine. You've reached the Smart Gilas Pilipinas podcast. Can you believe it? We've been at it for three months. Three months now. That's right. We've been at it for three months, and that's all because of you. We have to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for clicking play, for clicking download, and for keeping us alive. By the way, my name is Stan. And my name is Ro. And we are your hosts here on the SGP podcast. We're pretty much the first Filipino wrestling podcast talks about mainstream wrestling, professional wrestling, and we'd like to thank you once again for being a part of this, as huge a part of it as we are. At least we are the first um, wrestling podcast that is based here in the Philippines that we know of. That we know that of. That we know of. And thank you whether you are a friend, a fan of wrestling, a fan of us, or a family member, whichever one are, you are, thank you for listening to us. And you know this has to be one of the biggest or one of those big personal milestones in our lives because we love wrestling and we love the fact that we can share this with you. But now that we think about it, personal milestones, we have come to associate these things with certain parts of wrestling of wrestling history even. Right, that's right. And maybe maybe um, wrestling is not is a non-stop thing. It just keeps going and going and going. It never has an off-season. It never takes a break. So in that sense, there will be part of your lives that you will associate with parts of wrestling history, with what happens. I have to give a shout-out to Dwight over at SGP. By the way, you can find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Pilipinas. Thank you to Dwight for bringing it up because we are recording this on a Thursday. We're celebrating Throwback Thursday. What's up? So let's try to think back at those times in our lives that we associate with a particular moment in wrestling history. If I was going to start off, and I'd like to think you let me start off, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't really have a choice, do I? <laughs> fine, fine. Let me start off then. And I, I guess one of those memories that I will always remember is when I got hooked onto wrestling. That was sometime in 2003, and I've mentioned this before, Survivor Series 2003, and around the time when Hardcore Holly feuded with Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. I was in grade 7 at the time. I'll never forget that. When I was in grade 7, The Rock was on top. Um, Brock Lesnar was his new. The Undertaker was um, on top as the undisputed champion. Um, Vince McMahon and Ric Flair were feuding over um, two halves of the company and SmackDown and Raw. It, it was really a different time, really different time. It's been more than ten years. I can't believe that. And it's so different right now. You compare that time in wrestling to wrestling in 2014, you can really see just how so much has changed. Wow. And you, we've, you said we've been doing this for the past three months. I will associate the last three months and maybe the rest of this year with us doing this podcast. That would be, actually be a good thing because now that I think about it, us doing that podcast, if we can associate that to one particular moment in wrestling, it would be Daniel Bryan holding both championships, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and leading an entire stadium of Yes Chance in New Orleans. Well, we did we did start this podcast the night after WrestleMania 30, and maybe maybe he is our spirit animal. He is. I would like to think that the goat is our spirit animal. The goat for this is our spirit animal. And I remember um, 
2012, I was just in law school and CM Punk was on top. And um, the Shield debuted. Yeah, the Shield debuted, and I was never really able to follow all of it, and because because I was so busy studying, I, I just I just had to let it go. But those years were a blur to me. Man, one last thing I I could probably bring up is how uh, I was in high school when I found out that both Eddie Guerrero died and then Chris Benoit died, like two years two years apart. Uh, the funny thing is. The same guy, the guy who told me that Eddie Guerrero died was the same guy who told me Chris Benoit died. And both, of, uh, both times, he told me that they died on a Monday. It was a Monday when I found out that Eddie died. It was a Monday when I found out that Benoit died. Oh, no, no. Now, that I f- now that I think about it, yeah, um, we all knew, we all found out that Eddie died um, on a Monday, on Monday our time. Yeah. And, uh, well, I was, in, or I was already in college by the time Chris Benoit died. And I just found out. I just found that well, we all found that out on the weekend after because nobody said anything, and we the bodies the the bodies were only found uh, on Sunday night. Yeah, so I guess it does goes to show that if you are a lifer in wrestling, or if you've really been following this for probably the longest time, you really take this with you and associate it with certain parts of your life. But I want to know, we want to know what you think. You can always tweet us at Stan947. At Roizwar. I'm the guy with a black mystical mask. And I'm the guy with a microphone in this picture. But you can let us know regardless about those personal times in your life which you can associate with certain times in wrestling's timeline. You know what, I... My undergrad years were all a blur of Cena and Orton to me. <laughs> and since you and I pretty much went to college around the same time, hell, we graduated in the same ceremony. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. it's the same, and, and, it's the same and, blur. In our senior year, the people on top were Randy Orton and The Miz. Seamus. Seamus, Christian, and Daniel Bryan was only going to the top uh, as the world heavyweight champion. Believe it or not, Zack Ryder still meant a damn at some point when we were about to graduate. Yeah, he was hot back He was hot then. Um, by, the, by the time he graduated, he, he cooled down uh, yeah. a lot considerably. Yeah, I guess it just goes to show how time does fly. Right now, though, let's bring you into our list of the things we liked and didn't like from this past week in wrestling. We like to call this segment... The Spots and Boshes List. Let's start off with our first spot. Let's start things on a high note. And this is one of Rose's spots from this week. Yeah, um, you may not have noticed this if you don't um, play, pay close attention. But Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio have been feuding lately over the United States Championship. I think this is after... This, this was a development after the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And the reason why Sheamus and ADR are feuding is because Alberto Del Rio beat Dolph Ziggler on Raw in a, contender, in a number one contenders match because of interference from Fandango. But um, he was—he's been, you know, he's been messing around with Shane, with Sheamus ever since right before the Money in the Bank pay per view, and now they've come to a head with a last man standing match at this week's main event. Can you believe that? A last man standing match on a non pay per view show. Hell, not even just a pay per view show, but on a CD show. And for for the United States Championship, when was the last time the United States Championship got a match that big? You know what? The last time was probably in 2007 or 2006. Remember that Booker T and Chris Benoit feud, that Best of Seven series? Best of Seven series. That was 2005. Thank you. Thank you for uh, clearing that for me. And it was so amazing because these guys are not only feuding for the third tier championship, but they're also former main eventers and former world champions. And we've talked about this before. Like We've talked about how good or bad it would have been to have Sheamus as United States champion. So far, I think, I'd like to think that it's a good thing that Sheamus is a champion and that you have someone like Alberto Del Rio and his credibility going after the U.S. championship. And it's not only a good thing, but I also find it interesting because, um, as I said, it was a third-tier championship. And these former main eventers or upper mid-carders at best are challenging for this um, 
title that is pretty much lower on the totem pole. Now we have to ask though, is it because uh, Bad News Barrett is out with an injury or is it because Sheamus is the champion? Like, uh, Which is the real reason why we're here with the US title? I'm leaning towards the latter that it's because Sheamus is the champion. He just does too much and is just too big to not do anything, to not get any relevant attention. To get, and I think that it's... It's really that. Um, if it were anyone else, if the places were switched, if it were Bad News Barrett as a U.S. champion, I think that we would see more focus on the Intercontinental Championship just because Sheamus would be holding it. All right. I think that's fair. How, let's get to our next bot right now. And if you noticed on Raw, there was a lot of talking going on between John Cena and Roman Reigns. And this is one of the botches that we both noticed. It's a minor botch, but it's still funny nonetheless. <laughs> it's not a big botch. I just found it funny. I found it awkward. I found it funny in an awkward way because neither man really say this thing that we are about to say. Basically, John Cena called Roman Reigns Holmes. He called him Holmes. Holmes. And who who else do you know calls people Holmes? Eddie Guerrero. Holmes. Man. I don't know. <laughs> it's all over. And then after he said, after he called Roman Reigns Holmes, Roman Reigns returned the favor and called John Cena Holmes. It, it was just weird. Cause it was just so... We've never seen either of them actually say Holmes to each other. We know John Cena says Jack a lot, but he calls yeah. he calls whoever he talks to Jack. Yeah, maybe even homie or man or something like that, but not Holmes. Holmes. We've this... always associated Holmes with Eddie Guerrero, so it was weird. Yeah, when I heard that, I was wondering: Is it Eddie Appreciation Night? Is it a tribute night to Eddie? Didn't Vicky leave like two weeks ago? Yeah, it was so weird. Parang wala lang timing because you know Eddie's birthday is not until November. Yeah, maybe it's just us being nitpicky, but it's just really weird to hear. October pala, not November. Yeah, Eddie's birthday is in October. But yeah, we, we're being nitpicky here. Next spot on the list, I actually like this. Uh, Rusev and RVD had a match on Raw. It wasn't as long as we would have liked, but I'd like to think that they did make good use of RVD in the ring, especially in that segment with Rusev. And I'd like to think that they're bringing out the best in Rusev with these longer matches and better opponents. You know what I like about the fact that Rusev faced RVD is the fact that RVD's got this credibility of being a former Money in the Bank winner, former world champion, and because they didn't let Rusev just squash RVD, um, I think it was good use of his talent. It was a good rub for Rusev as well, and that it didn't undermine his opponents. And this is something that Jim Ross also mentions, mentions in uh, his blog for this week. So I'd like to think that Creative is actually making good steps right now, at least towards the, de- the development of Rusev's character. Right, and the good thing about RVD is that he knows how to make the most out of a short match with his high-flying style, really fast pace. Even though he's um, getting a bit up there in his age, he still knows, he still pulls out a good match. I think it's also good, the fact that they still have RVD for as long as they have him right now. Have you noticed that RVD has been around for longer than 90 days this time around? Yeah, I know, but nobody really noticed when he's gone either. <laughs> no, 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 no. The last time he went away, I didn't. it took me a while to realize he was away. Yeah, but I noticed he was away because Ricardo went away as well. Remember, uh, at the time, they were uh, Yeah, they were, they were a team. Yeah, they were together. But they, they were, were a team. team. They were a package deal. Yeah, they were a package deal. And, well, I think RVD is one of those guys that you don't really notice when he's gone. And you don't really notice that much as well when he's here. But, but um, when he returns, it's a big deal. Yeah when, it, yeah, when he returns, it's a big deal. Not as big a deal as, say, Bret Hart, which we'll get to in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but RVD is, I don't know. I don't know. There's something about him that just doesn't scream that loud to me as a fan. I, mean, right. I, I, no, I like him. I like RVD. But, but as I said, the last time he went away, I'd never noticed it. It, 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 or it took me a while to notice that he was away. 
speaking of superstars who have come back, we mentioned last week that Chris Jericho coming back was a good thing for the WWE. But one of the botches, I think, was the fact that uh, the Jericho-Wyatt match, which they have been building up to over the past two weeks, they are putting, they're, they're slating it for Battleground and they're not saving it for SummerSlam. I have an issue with that because if it's going to be a big payoff, especially with a promo between two great talkers like Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt, you might as well milk it for what it's, what it's worth and have your grand payoff at SummerSlam, which is your second biggest pay-per-view of the year. So, wait, you said that the, you want them to milk it for all it's worth. Right. Isn't that what they're doing now? I mean, like, okay, fine. If, if you have a Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt match at, battle, at Battleground, and let's say Bray Wyatt already wins, then what use will it be for Chris Jericho to have another match unless there was, like, an added stipulation? Fine, I get the logic. I just answered How do my you know, own question. How do you know he's not going to win? Okay, that's another fair point. But let's look at Chris Jericho's past pay-per-view record. When was the last time he won a big match at a pay-per-view. Pero, this is Chris Jericho you're talking about. He's really smart. He knows how to go about his business. He knows um, how to go about putting over a young talent like Bray Wyatt. I'm sure he had a plan going in and on how to elevate Bray and the Wyatt family. So I don't think that... Um, I, I have a bit more faith with this. I have my faith too. Don't get me wrong. I'm as big a Jericho-holic as you. And I'm going to take off my smart hat whenever he enters into the ring and has a match. But, you know, I'm just saying I know Chris Jericho can come out a winner even though he gets pinned or even though he taps out. I'm, I'm just saying I wish that they would have milked the build-up all the way until SummerSlam instead of having a battleground match right here, right now. All right. Maybe you want the Wyatt family to, you know, I don't know, interfere in a Jericho Miz match and battleground. Yeah. Maybe that's what you want. But I don't know. I have faith in this. I think that Jericho is going to win at Battleground, but that's you know that's a point for later. I think he's going to win at Battleground only for Wyatt to rebound whenever whenever this feud is going to end. Okay, I think that's fair. I mean, we do know that Chris Jericho is only going to be around until probably uh, September at best. Right, and we also turn this into a spot because we do like the idea of Jericho versus Wyatt. And if you've noticed, and well, you should notice because they spell it out plain as day that Bray Wyatt is hinging this entire feud. On the idea of Jericho as a savior, which has which he has presented himself as when in his previous runs, right in his previous runs from 2007 when he saved us from the age of Orton, remember that, right, and right. in 2012 when he came back as the savior of pretty much everybody from you know the boredom that had happened at that time in the WWE. Here's another spot: uh, Randy Orton versus Dean Ambrose on SmackDown last week and on Raw this week. And yeah, it was really it was a better match on Raw. Um, this Monday, I enjoyed that. Match I enjoyed very much. that match as well. And um, as much as I want to see Ambrose come out strong, because um, at this point he is the weaker, weakest one out of the X Shield members, with Rollins winning the Money in the Bank contract and with Reigns uh, having a title shot, which we'll also discuss later. Um, Ambrose needs something, but this was a good match. Um, he never came out looking weak at all. You know and, what? I, I wouldn't have had a problem if this match came out on pay per view. Yeah, the the match on Raw w- looked like an undercard match of a pay per view, and that's a good thing. It says a lot about Randy Orton and Dean Ambrose that they could pull off such a match, given the amount of time they had, and given that it was on Raw on free TV. Amount of time they had? They had a lot of time. They did have a lot of time. Exactly. <laughs> they made the most out of that time. Oh, I thought you meant that. I thought you thought that it was short. <laughs> Neither man. I appreciated it. I appreciated it for for what it's worth. Well, you have two lunatics um, going at it with each other. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And you have a loose cannon of a of a combo. And those two would be a good feud. It would make a good feud. I would watch that feud. I would have to agree. It seems, and I'm glad that, bo- that all members of the Shield are doing very well on their own. Not that we didn't 
expect any of this, but um, we're just glad that it's following through. This next botch, which uh, we'll, we're probably going to have a little bit of fun with. We talked about The Miz last week. We like that he's back. We like that he is a snarky, egotistical, narcissistic heel all over again. But good God, the guy <laughs> still cannot do a figure four leg lock. Yeah, the match with Miz and Jericho, it was... A solid outing, a decent affair, but as much as I like heel Miz, as much as I like Hollywood Miz, as much as I like um, Miz's brawling offense, he still does not know when or how he should apply the figure four leg lock. Let's try to put it simply. If you watch Miz put on the figure four leg lock on any opponent, Kaitsi Chris Jericho Payan, who could really sell, who can really make you believe that he's in pain, you won't believe that Miz is putting it on in a painful manner. And that's not just the thing. That's not the thing. He doesn't work on the legs at all. That's another thing that uh, we've been harping about, at least online, when we talk to each other after watching yo, these matches. Yo, Ric Flair is a, re- is a really limited wrestler. Um, well, he can act with the best of them, like the best of them. He can cut promos like the best of them. But he's not that good in the ring. But he, he knows how to make people hate you, and that's okay. But um, even Ric Flair knew how to work the leg before slapping on the figure four. See, Miz, whenever you see him in a match... He works on you, like on your head. He works on your torso. Yeah, he, he usually he usually just um hits you in the face. You know, hits you with a big boot, a little boot, and hits a DDT, stuff like that. He hits you in the head mostly. Um, his offense is really based on the head and the face and the neck. And then he expects you to tap out as soon as he slaps on the figure four. Yeah, and remember he, when yeah. Wade Barrett tapped out? Right. Yeah, exactly. No, I remember when everyone tapped out to the figure four after doing nothing to the legs. It was just so random that he would attack um. The rest of you And then just slap on the figure four Expecting you to To hurt real bad There's a reason why In WWE 2K14 Or any other previous wrestling game When you slap on the figure four Your opponent doesn't tap out At uh, you know at once You have to turn his legs Orange or red first so you, like, when, when, <laughs> I remember those days <laughs> When Miz slaps on the figure four Leg lock I can imagine Yellow pa lang Or you know Masaya na nga ako pag yellow eh. Yeah no, no 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 It would be blue it's, It would be clear it's blue. Yeah it's blue Yeah right right It would be clear as Day. So yeah, Miz, please learn to work on the legs. Have some ring psychology, please. I say blue because I remember the old SmackDown games. I'm thinking ah. of Here Comes the Pain. Okay, okay, that's right. fair. Because I'm not allowed to 2K. Yeah, 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 right. It's kind of clear. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm more old school than you are. Speaking of old school, oh, let's God. go to our next botch on the list. We all love our legends. We love Bret Hart, but please, WWE, there can be a better way of using Bret Hart on your shows. I don't think there is a better way. But go on. Go on first. I will, I will comment on that after you say what this botch is. Our botch on Bret Hart is the fact that when he comes out and cuts a promo, he is a black hole of charisma. He does not know what to say. I don't know if it's the stroke. I'm not joking here. I'm, not, I'm really not. Um, I don't know if it's just um, talking really not his strong suit as... Um, Damien Sandhart said Well it never was His strong suit Even in his prime That's what the jibe Was about But he does not know What to do anymore I mean you trot him out For these for the legendary appearance For you know For the nostalgia factor For the pop Yeah exactly But after that He just He just messes everything up Remember when uh, When Damien Sandow Actually came out As Brett Sandhart And uh, you know he was, he was giving Bret Hart A hard time And Bret Hart punched him there was a perfect timing, you know, for him for him to bust out a punchline. 
Right, right, right. And oh, by the way, we're talking about um, the episodes of Raw and Main Event this week because um, they are coming from Canada and Bret Hart is maybe in all of them this week. Maybe yeah. even SmackDown. Yeah. So Bret Hart hits Damien Sandow and he had a punchline, but he gave it out like, I, I guess, a few beats too early. Right, right, right. And well, I guess Bret Hart isn't the funniest guy of the funniest wrestler on the roster. But I don't know. Even that, in, even after um, that, though, his appearance on main event. That was even worse. That was even worse because um, it was really just to build up. It was a highlight reel, actually. And um, we would have um, included this as a botch that um, the highlight reel was brought back, was brought to the WWE Network, brought to the main event show for not much. It wasn't um, even used to advance the Chris Jericho Bray Wyatt feud. It was really just to bring out Bret Hart and then to bring out Damon Sandow dressed as Shawn Michaels. And then, you know, like Bret Hart was just there saying the same thing over and over again, beating around the bush. And it, it was rather unfortunate, you know, for someone of Bret Hart's stature to be reduced to to something like this that, you know, podcasters like me and Ro here can rail on so easily. Well, to be fair, um, the reason, maybe the reason why Bret Hart is reduced to that is because maybe he just doesn't know how to do anything else anymore. But I mean, it could have probably worked better had, you know, had Chris Jericho had more to do, I guess. Well, even when he doesn't talk, remember the Charlotte versus Natalia match back on NXT? He was a horrible manager at NXT TakeOver. Take, TakeOver, thank you. Oh, God, I forgot what the name was. Why did I forget? But he, anyway, was, he was so yes, horrible. He was a black hole of charisma. He didn't in, look like he gave show. a damn. Ric Flair was in Charlotte's corner. And you could see Ric Flair was almost crying. You could see that he took off his blazer. Like, he really gave a damn. And Bret Hart was just there. Now, you know, his presence could easily have been negated. Like, you could take Bret Hart away. And it wouldn't have affected the match at all. Yeah, because he didn't know what to do at ringside. I don't, I don't know if he knew what to do there. And it's funny. Because- and maybe he, could, maybe he could have just watched Ric Flair and tried to copy him. You know, it's funny because you would think that they would know how to do these things, right? Having been in the business for quite some time and having been exposed to different characters, like, I'm sure the Hart Foundation had a manager as well back in the day. They had each other, you know, to be managers. So you, you would guess that Bret Hart had enough time, enough practice. But I guess, like, as a non-wrestling presence on screen, he, he has a lot, a lot to work on if, you know, if he well, wants to work on these things. Yeah, exactly. And well, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just wants to sit at home, um, relax, and rest. Maybe Keep- he should just do that. Keep counting them checks, Brett. Yeah, yeah. Keep getting them checks. I don't think he needs to. Well, maybe the WWE needs Brett, but Brett does not need the WWE. And it's clear. I think it's clear. I think maybe that's it. Maybe. Maybe. You know, one thing the WWE has needed, though, this is the next spot on our list. Things for the Divas to do. And we like this. The fact that the following things are going on right now in the Divas division. Number one, you've got the Paige AJ feud. Right. And next, you've got the Funkadactyls breakup. And then you have Nikki Bella being bullied by the other Divas. And then, of course, you have the love triangle between Summer Rae, Layla, and Fandango. And this is a good thing that everybody in the Divas division is doing something because it shows that, uh, first of all, they're not idle. Yeah, and, and someone cares for them, actually. Someone is writing for them. Someone's someone writing is, stories outside of the championship picture. Not just that. Not just the fact that someone is writing for them, but someone is going to bat for them up top. And that's a good thing. Once again, we can't say that enough because, fine, we're still probably not there. To, uh, this a days when Trish Stratus and Lita would have amazing matches that would main event Monday Night Raw. But the fact that there are stories going around the Divas, that's something that some of the other characters on the men's division, in the main men's roster. Division. <laughs> men's division. Fine, in, in the main division. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Some of them don't even have stories they can work around. Zack Ryder doesn't have a story he can work around. Heath Slater right now doesn't have a story he can work around. And yet, 
people like Eva Marie, Alicia Fox, they've got stories that they can work with every week. And we're not saying that these are really good stories. Uh, far from it. We're not actually defending the merits of these stories, but we're actually defending the fact that they've got something to do. That they it, exist. Yeah, because, you know, idle hands are the, are the devil's playground and all that. And, well, it's, good for, it's good, really good for some, for some people to have something to do. And speaking of people who don't have anything to do, how anything about, else to do? We're talking about the tag team division, which is our last botch on this list. Because as it stands right now, the Usos and the White family they have a two out of three false match at Battleground, but they haven't been feuding or messing with anybody else as of late. Well, it's a gift and a curse in WWE right now. If you do something good, um, the top guys will force you to do it over and over, just to milk it all out. And I guess it's something to look forward to come Battleground, but. I guess we're waiting for that time when Rybaxel once again figures into the tag team chase. Or, or when Stardust and Goldust finally you. finally get into the picture. Thank you for uh, leading into that. Stardust and Goldust, we've been waiting for them. We've been waiting for their chance. But I, I'm, I'm guessing that they're saving it for SummerSlam. I'm hoping that they are. And if and when they do, we will be there front and center cheering our boy on. And we're not saying that the Usos and Wyatts um, are... Are bad with each other Far from it Yeah, they had a good match At this Monday's Raw But I just don't want to see them um, You know Doing it to death When there are other teams That they can mess with Because we're together Yeah, exactly And that's why You know That's why we get You know That's why we boo Cena That's why we um, Boo whoever it is Who is being shoved down our throats we want something unexpected. We want something new. We want to be impressed from time to time. And the way to do that is to not keep shoving the same guys down our throats. And that takes care of this week's Spots and, and Botches. Right. We're introducing a new segment this week. And you, if you haven't noticed by now, there are certain things we've been talking about over and over again. One of them, of course, is our Spots and Botches list. Another one is Stardust. But here's something you may not have noticed. Ladies and gentlemen, we are introducing a brand new segment to the Smart Gilles Filipinas podcast. As self-proclaimed esteemed wrestling journalists, we take it upon ourselves to discuss the most pressing issues in the business. In line with this, we present to you... Silence! The Damien Sandow Weekly Update! And what this is really is... A weekly update on what Damien Sandow is up to every week. Since he changes characters every week and since Stan here has something to say about this every week, we decided to turn it into a weekly segment until such time that Damien Sandow moves on and becomes more serious again. Or he gets his old character back. He's pretty much become Charlie Haas version 2.0, always impersonating a relevant character or a local character week in and week out. And this week, because the WWE was in Canada... Who better to impersonate than Canada's favorite wrestling son, Brett the Hitman Hart? Or as Damien Sandow calls himself, Brett Sandhart. Well, okay, you know what? I made this segment just for you because I know you want to rant. But this segment, what I'm going to do here is that I'm going to be the balance here. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as, again, as I said two episodes ago, I'm not as ruffled as this as you are. In fact, I'm quite entertained by how um, Sandow impersonates these characters. Fine, let's give credit where credit is due. Brett Sandhart has more charisma than the real Brett Hart. It's, of course, that's that's a really, really low bar to set, though. <laughs> that's a really low bar to set. Come on. Um, yeah, and uh, to be honest with you, I was really I was really entertained by almost all of his impersonations. I love the fact, though, that they're so committed. I mean, for as much as WWE is trying to scrimp down on production costs, at least they're giving Damon Sandow his respective costumes for every week. Well, they did that for Charlie Haas back in the day. 
So so it's not really a big. It's not that big. It's not as big an expense as you know fandangos, um, silhouette lights. Pero sayang, I, I miss those silhouette lights. But yeah, so they, were, they were able to afford a Lance Stevenson jersey. They've afforded the Bret Hart costume. Hell, they afforded to you know dress him up like Shawn Michaels. And fine, I'm not going to rant here, but I'm actually going to give Damon Sandow props for being able to copy the way Shawn Michaels would talk. Granted, he wasn't able to copy the voice, the exact voice, but listening to how Damon Sandow delivered his HBK-style promo, I could actually imagine Shawn Michaels saying those things in that particular way. I don't really know if he was actually um, intentionally impersonating HBK. But he did a good job of it And he really does kind of look like HBK Maybe because of the beard Yeah, so he's got the hobo look going on Which is always a good thing And I guess, fine, he can nail the outfit you know, I wish though that he'd shaved for, for the Brett Sandhart look He never shaves for anything though Oh, I know well, He never shaved for anything He never shaved for Mr. McMahon, yeah, right Right, right, right But he did pull off a good McMahon he did, he did. But I know you have more to say. Do you have more to say about this? Yes, because... You can let it out. You can let it out. It's okay. Fine. It's fine. okay. You know what? I, I, I miss the fact when Damon Sandow would hold the mic like a goblet. I miss his robe. I miss the hallelujah entrance theme. I miss him trying to be intelligent because the way it comes across to me, for him impersonating every character, he's doing exactly what he said he wouldn't do. And that's stoop down to the level of the unwashed masses. How do you know that this is the level of the unwashed masses? Well, How do you know this? How do you know that? Because I watch Showtime, damn it! Oh, so? What? So what? You see these on noontime shows. You see impersonators everywhere on well, we local s- TV. Well, we see this on SNL. Mad TV. Comedy, okay. comedy shows. Alright, alright. Who do SNL and Mad TV cater to? The American masses. And... Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, those, not, those are the no way, no masses. way, no, 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 not just the masses. I'm sure there are, uh, you know, there are people um higher up in this in the. Well, I I don't really want to promote a social class uh, structure here, but maybe um there are you know maybe there are some enlightened people who actually watch these comedy shows. Fine, granted that there are enlightened people and people from the higher social classes that do watch these comedy shows. You've got guys like Louis C.K. or George Carlin who are, I'm pretty sure, are comedians who are intelligent. But do they do impersonations? I'm sure... The way that Damon Sandow does. The way that the people over on our noontime shows do. The way that Keenan Thompson and the guys at SNL do. I don't think so. Uh, that's unfair to say. That's really unfair to say that impersonation is for, is a comedy art for the masses. I didn't say it was a really? comedy yes, art for it, the masses. Oh no, yes, you did. You kind of did. What I said. I was, am ashamed of you, Sam. I, yo 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 yo. Don't judge me just yet. I was just trying to prove a point when I said that Damon Sandow's character is pretty much turning on himself right now. No, because I, I, I still think that it's still getting him by. Because if he doesn't do this, he has nothing else to do. But that's not his character. Like that's not who he really is as Damon Sandow. As Damon Sandow, he has to be the intellectual, uh, intellectual, intellectually superior guy. He has to be the guy that tells everybody, "I'm better than you. I'm higher than you. I'm better than dressing up like Lance Stephenson and blowing in the Big Show's ear." To his credit, though, he's been trying to still incorporate those elements in his um, impersonations. Kaitapano, he still tries. He doesn't always get it all the time, but he tries. And fine, to, to Damon Sandow's credit as well, he actually goes beyond beyond the promo. Like when he actually has a match and when he, whenever he's actually given some time, he tries to incorporate these things in his moveset. But I guess that's my biggest gripe and that's something we'll probably revisit as future episodes and as future weekly updates on Damon Sandow happen. Point no, no, no. Wh- what, do you, what do you have about the moveset? Because I was thinking about something and I might I want to know if you're thinking of the same thing. Sakin is the moveset. Is actually, it actually changes a little bit. Like he actually lets it adjust from time to time depending on which character he 
he's impersonating. Yeah, yeah, and I like that because that's what he should do um, when he when he tries to impersonate. Because it shows that he not only knows how to impersonate um, a character's characteristics, you know, um, a look, appearance, but it, it shows that he's good enough in the ring to adjust and be, you know, fluid, more liquid. And that, you, that that's a mark of superiority of wrestling superiority. Yeah, but that speaks more to the to the performer behind the character. Get what I'm saying? No, 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 no. I'm I, I, I'm willing to argue that this is um you know you know my previous complaints about Damien Sano that um he says he's a smart guy but he does really plain wrestling moves. But I think that you can argue that um adjusting his moveset to the character he's impersonating is really really um, is a really good telling mark of intellectual superiority. All right, but do other people notice this? Like, is this noticed by the people who matter? And this, Fine, you and no, I no, notice no. this yeah. because we're trained ice. Right, and well, that's why we're here. We're telling them, hey, maybe this is it. And I thought that this is why we're here. Okay. I thought that this was what our job was. Yeah, this is our job, <laughs> but this is our job, but I'm just saying it Are might we not, not be... the Damien Sandow of the, pod, of the wrestling podcast We world. try <laughs> to be the Damien Sandow, but here's the thing. It might just be so highfalutin that not even those who probably you know, can hack it enough... Not even they can understand it agad agad, like at face value. And that's, no, that's, that's where it's dangerous for me. Well, a lot of fans think that doing the same moves over and over is a mark of stagnancy, of stagnation. Hello, John Cena. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And, you know, we, we pop really that whenever John Cena does something he, we've never seen him do before. Like that set out power bomb on Seth Rollins. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. See, so I don't think that it's a really highfalutin concept to grasp. That if you do something new, if you do something different than what you do all the time, um, maybe people will um, look favorably upon, upon you. Okay, but let me argue na lang. Let me argue though that from a viewer's standpoint, I'm guessing that you know for whatever superiority Damon Sandow shows, like in his acting, in him adjusting his moveset, I think it speaks more to the actor behind the character and not necessarily to Damon Sandow, the wrestler or the character himself. Well, that's good because I don't really have personally a big opinion of you know Damon Sandow, the guy, the wrestler. Right, and I think that for whatever for what it's worth, whatever opinion we're having, I think it's directed more towards the guy, the guy himself, to Aaron Haddad rather than Damon Sandow, the character. And I think the fact that the lines are being blurred, it's not necessarily a good thing for Damon Sandow, the character. You get what I'm saying? Like right. we're Fine, not exactly okay. giving credit where credit is due, supposedly. Well, well, okay, but I'm just saying that okay, um, he's doing a better job than he's being given credit for, and maybe you don't like it, but it's getting him by. I hope it's getting him by. I mean, I'm just waiting for that time when when Damien Sandow is no longer impersonating people, and when we can stop, you know, we, we can stop railing on him weekly. I just want Damien Sandow, the intellectually superior guy, to have a shot again as a legit as a legit mid card player. Well, my hope for that is if he does go back to that gimmick, um, he does a better job wrestling. Actually, I have a different gimmick in 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 mind for him, but I want to talk about this in a future episode when we're not so loaded. All right. All right, so is that it? Are you done ranting about Damon Sandow this week? I'm done this week. And that's it for the Damon Sandow Weekly, Weekly Update. Update. You're welcome. Here's something else that happened this week, and this is something that a lot of people may have noticed just go by under the radar. If you follow the Angry Wrestling Vet on Facebook, or, or the AWV He's made the big reveal On the 4th of July In the US He set himself free And he identified himself For all of his followers If you've been following Angry Wrestling Vet You'd think that he was An old guy He gives great yeah, advice he gives great advice And his mindset Leads more toward The old school style of wrestling 
Like I was actually expecting it to be somebody like Zeb Coulter or William Regal or somebody who spent uh, enough time from the territorial era to the current WWE. And by the way, we by the way we're talking about him right now. You can tell that he's not what he seems to be. That's right. He he made himself known as John Trotsky. He's 33 years old. He's from Pennsylvania, and he is an actor and a stuntman. And, and a wrestler, of course. And a former wrestler as well. He trained uh, Mickey Rourke for The Wrestler. And that's a big, big credit to his name. Because uh, Mickey Rourke did pass off as a decent wrestler in the movie. Not only that, but Mickey Rourke got nominated for an Academy Award for Best being, Actor. Yeah, for being a wrestler. That's no, no, no. Right. Well, I'm, I'm saying that he did, actually, it, it seemed like Mickey Rourke was working. Um, it seemed like Mickey Rourke had been a wrestler for so long. Hell, The Wrestler was such a great movie. It was also nominated for Best Picture. Right, right, right. And uh, um, it didn't win, but uh, I wish it did. As well, a wrestling fan, I wish it did. Oh, no, man. But, you know, Slumdog Millionaire was Slumdog all right, and that's All right, that's enough about the movie. So, AWB, not really a, a really, really old veteran. But I guess, uh, personally, I don't have a problem with it. It's not such a big of a problem for me as well now after having spent some time reflecting on it. But tell them what you did first. <laughs> Fine. I was disappointed at first. I was disappointed and I, I kind of wished it was William Regal or it was Zeb Coulter or some other old timer. But fine, I now realize the fact that in cases like this, the message is more important than the messenger. Yeah, because um, we've got guys who are young and stupid really. And it's, it's refreshing to see a guy who is young but is also pretty wise. And it's nice that he's actually sharing these things because it's not every day that you have somebody who does have knowledge but isn't willing to dispense it to help his fellow man. Right. And he, you know, he rails against bad practices, bad workers, bad um, promoters. That means he's seen enough. Yeah. And that means he does know what is right and what is wrong. And I trust him when he goes on a tired and what is wrong. That's because, right. Um, it, it, it's pretty clear. He makes it pretty clear that he is against injustice and he wants, um, even though he's th- he thinks a bit old school, he can, you can tell that he's preserving something that is inherently good. And he is trying to push this hashtag right now, wrestling's last hope. And I'd like to think it speaks to people who actually treat the business with respect and revere it with the, with the, uh, with the appropriateness it deserves. Right, right, right. And, well, maybe he is wrestling's last hope. Maybe he isn't. Maybe, the, maybe it's not as bad as he think he is. But um, I, for one, am glad that he's around. And I hope that people, um, wrestlers especially, young wrestlers especially, um, really do listen to him. Even though he's young, even though he's not you know, 50 or 40, whatever. Not a former world champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that doesn't make any difference. Good advice is good advice. Plus, the guy can cut a great promo. Right, right, right. So and find as, him on, as expected. As should be expected. Yeah. So find him on Facebook, like his page, and listen to his advice. He does give out these helpful status updates. By the way, it's Angry Wrestling Vet. And also on Twitter, at Angry Wrestling Vet. So find him, like him, and tell him who sent you. Yeah, tell him we sent. <laughs> well, he doesn't know who we are. He but, doesn't know who we are, but he will yeah, one day. And he doesn't care. Probably won't care, but <laughs> the fact that he's around means we respect him very, very much. Right, right. Next on our list, we want to talk about the Battleground card. We, have, we actually have a stacked card, and we're still two weeks away, or probably like, yeah, two weeks away from the Battleground pay-per-view. I'm glad yeah, that yeah, we yeah, have... Yeah, right. You, we do have a stacked card, and when, you, when we were going over the card before we went on air, um, I already thought that the, the, the show was going to be next week due to how stacked it is. Right. We have like six, seven matches, and it's a stacked card. It's refreshing because I know for a fact that we're probably not going to expect an impromptu match. Or if ever we are, it's probably just going to be one short match. Hopefully not, though. With all the, well, with all the, card, with all the matches in the undercard at the moment, I hope we don't have to have an impromptu match anymore. You want to start with the undercard? Sure, let's do it. All right. In the undercard, of course, we have Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt. I wouldn't mind if this match opened the pay-per-view. 
I don't mind it either. Uh, well, I hope it's a bit higher up, but at, at this point, it's okay. Uh, I know these two are going to put out a solid, decent match. Um, it's not their first go-around, actually. It's not. Um, Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt once faced in NXT back in 2012. And- or 2012 or 2013? Might, 2013. Might have been 2013. Yeah, 2013. Right before Bray Wyatt went to the main roster. Right. And Chris Jericho has that distinction of being the very first main roster star that faced Bray Wyatt. And I hope they reference it somewhere down the line. I it, hope they do. It would be great because uh, we did we did like it very much when they referenced CM Punk and Chris Jericho's past run-ins with each other from 2009. If you remember the WrestleMania feud between CM Punk and Chris Jericho in 2012, they actually referenced the 2009 feud when CM Punk lost his championship because he got punted by Randy Orton. Right. Well, well CM Punk is a stickler for continuity. Um, I'm sure that he, he, he and Jericho um, planned that. Because I'm sure that they wanted wanted to be perfect. It would be great if Bray Wyatt and Chris Jericho had that same had that same passion, I guess, for continuity. So uh, it, it's a nice to have. It's a nice to know. If it was there, then it would be icing on the cake. Well, it's not really a big deal, but yeah, you're right. It would be icing on the cake. Moving on. Moving on to our next match: Rusev versus Jack Swagger. I'm gonna have to admit. I kind of am enjoying the fact that Zeb and Swagger are faces, even though it kind of makes me feel like a xenophobe because I'm rooting for them. Well, I don't think about it that much anymore. I know that these two guys are have the capacity for a good match. Um, if we've seen a good match from Rusev and Big E back and Money in the Bank, I'm sure that these guys will deliver as well. There's only one thing I want out of this match. Please, wrestling gods, please don't let Rusev get injured. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. But even though even though Swagger is out an injury risk and injury liability in the ring nowadays, he is actually still an underrated wrestler. And I'm sure that if they get enough time, Swagger and Rusev will deliver just as Rusev and Big E did. All right, let's talk about our Divas matches. We have two Divas matches we're expecting for the Battleground pay-per-view. The first match is a grudge match between the former tag team known as the Funkadactyls, Cameron and Naomi. Again, not the best storyline, not the best two workers to break up. Um, actually, it's you know what? You know what? I've been noticing lately, 2014 is a very bad year for black teams. Oh, oh no. You've got um, Darren Young and Titus O'Neil breaking up earlier this year. Right. Now you've got... Um, Cameron and Naomi breaking up. Watch out, Xavier Woods and R-Truth. <laughs> Watch out. Hey, yo, it could actually be a good thing because R-Truth and Xavier Woods are not doing shit right now. Uh, well, that, well, if they break up, they won't be doing even more. Or they'll ha- probably have a one-off match. And then they'll split up for it good. It might be better than you know Young versus O'Neal. But they'll split up and not do shit again. At all. Continue not doing shit. Fine, fine. But at least we're getting another Divas match that's not for the championship. We have uh, we have praised this earlier on in the podcast. But yeah, Cameron versus Naomi, um, not much to expect on my yeah, end. Yeah, I hope this is mercifully short because um, while Naomi is good in the ring, couldn't say the same for Cameron. I'm sure you couldn't either. Nope. Um, I hope Naomi just beats her and moves on with her life. K-bye. K-bye. <laughs> what, what, I will say though, I will say that Cameron does know how to be a heel. She does because she's annoying as fuck. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get into that some other time. I have a lot to say about being annoying and being a heel. But for now, Cameron, girl, bye. All right, Paige versus AJ for the Divas Championship. I am excited for this, brother. I like what they're doing with it so far. I like that Paige isn't, you know, outwardly hostile towards AJ. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of? 
What? The Mickey James Trish Stratus storyline. Not, not so much. I know you can, I knew you were going to say that, but I don't agree that much because, um, well, for one thing, Paige isn't the crazy stalker that Mickey was to Trish. And fine, Paige probably doesn't idolize AJ, but it does give me some of that vibes. And the fact that Paige and AJ are bo- both capable in the ring kind of does remind me of Trish and Mickey. And well, I do, yeah, I do, yeah, I do understand where you where you come from when you say that you do get the vibes because, um. Paige, you know, not being outwardly hostile, it's kind of subtle, and any any kind of complexity, any kind any kind of subtlety like that, it's really good. I think they're actually blurring the lines right now between who the who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. Well, so far, um, the, the people are making AJ the good girl, the good girl, and well, they're not really making Paige the bad girl, but you know, um, you're right. It's it's a it's a fine line they're treading. They're blurring the lines. It looks like a good thing. But yeah, I'm excited. I just can't wait to see Paige and AJ go at it. And I hope that they extend this, uh, extend this beyond Battleground. And yeah, well, I'm sure we're going to get this summer SummerSlam. It's going to be a big Divas match of the year. Um, it should get more time on SummerSlam. But I do hope it gets a lot of time on Battleground. I hope they get promo time. Like, I hope they actually go at it on the mic. Well, they've got, well, two weeks. Do they have two weeks before they build us up? They have one more Raw before Battleground. One more Raw, one more main event, one more SmackDown. I'm sure there'll, there'll be enough time to cut promos against each other. Interesting. Really excited for this. Here's another match I'm looking forward to. I love Battle Royals, and we have one for the Vacant Intercontinental Championship. Let me just rat off the contestants right now so far. Confirmed are Fandango, the United States Champion, Sheamus, Cesaro, Sandow, Kali, Ryback, Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas, Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler, RVD, Biggie, and ADR. And we didn't say this when we were rattling off um, Sheamus versus ADR on the spots and botches list, but um, if you've seen main event, uh, Sheamus cuts a promo before the match in which he says that he might go on to win the Battle Royal at Battleground and unify the Intercontinental and United States Championships. I think it wouldn't be far-fetched to predict that Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio will be the final two. And, well, not just that, but I do think by referencing it on air, I do think that that's where they're going. Because it's Chekhov's gun, a literary device. You present something uh, at the beginning of an act, of a play, of a book, of a film, whatever. You present something, you leave it there. It doesn't seem like anything at all. But as you go on, as the plot goes on... It becomes um, more painfully obvious. No, no, no. Not, no. It doesn't become more painfully obvious. You actually use it. Uh, okay. you, it actually happens. You know what I'm thinking of right now? I'm thinking about the WWE 2K12 game. Remember when they unified the US title and the Intercontinental Championship and made it a European Championship? I want Sheamus to do that. I still do. I know it's probably a pipe dream, a Hail Mary, but I would like to see that happen. I don't mind whoever does it as long as they do it. I do want to see the championships emerge. At this point, um, the Intercontinental Championship is a sitting duck thanks to BNB's injury, unfortunate injury, and we can't have those risks anymore. Um, the roster is way too big, um, not to not split enough to have to sustain two championships. Um, we just we just need one. One is enough. All right, and I think that's why they also have just one set of tag team titles now. Speaking of tag team titles, you have a two out of three false match between the Usos and Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt's henchmen, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. As referenced earlier, well, I know this is going to be a great match. I I just you know you know what I said earlier uh huh yeah I, I I do think that um I do think that we've been seeing too much of this uh, in that we kind of think that there isn't if it weren't for guys like Stardust and Goldust we wouldn't think that there were there wasn't there was a tag team division at all 
Sana hindi na lang tayo magsawa. But here's something I'd like to get your opinion on because I know you love your wrestling music. What about this new theme song that Eric Rowan and Luke Harper came out to at Raw? It's not anything to write home about. I, w- I wish they stayed with the creepy version of You Got the Whole World. Well, it's really not much. It's, it's not even much of music because uh, it's not even much of an entrance because they just play the music for a while, they cut, they do the thing, they do the deck, and then they, they show up in the, in the ring. You know, I've always wondered how Harper and Rowan did that, especially on you know a what? live every, Yeah, every time they do that, I, w- I always wonder how they do it. sila from the back or do they hide under the ring? Probably, they probably do run down from the ramp. But like probably. Two big guys running down, even if you shut off the lights in that stadium, somebody's bound to see them. I don't know, I, but I do think the whole cell phone lights thing is a nice effect. It is, right? Here's the thing. Do people actually cooperate or is this something that WWE has choreographed? No, I, I'm sure that it, the WWE never thought of it because, you know, the WWE doesn't want to push um, Bray Wyatt as, you know, as a people's… As, as a fan people's, favorite. Yeah, as a fan favorite. I'm sure that the, that the crowd came up with it all on their own. And they, 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 they thought it was cool and we do think it was cool. We do think it's cool and it's here to stay. Let's move on to our main event of the Battleground pay-per-view. Let's give you our initial thoughts as well. Fatal 4-Way, Kane, Cena, Reigns, and Orton for the championship. Well, wait. We have thoughts on why Reigns is here. Yes, we do. It's kind of weird. Let's start it off. Uh, we, we were ranting last week about how it's poor storytelling to have Triple H and the Authority hate on Roman Reigns. They don't want him anywhere near the championship scene. Right after Money in the Bank, boom, Hunter declares Roman Reigns instantly as a participant in the Fatal 4-Way match. But as I was watching Raw, I came up with a theory. So yeah, let's hear that theory. Right. Um, as, uh, other than not wanting Reigns to be anywhere near the championship, they also kind of don't want Cena to be champion, right? Uh-huh. Yes, right? Yes. Right. And so maybe they put Reigns in to lull Cena into some false sense of security. You know, parang if it were a third heel, Cena would be overwhelmed. That right. There were three heels against one face. Okay. But by balancing it out by having two heels and two faces, it's more Cena. Right, because there's another good guy who he knows will do the right thing. Well, do the, well by doing the right thing, maybe maybe that means by you know not ganging up on him, not taking advantage of him, you know, things like that. And we saw that at the end of this week's RAW. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, by lulling Cena into a false sense of security, he, he you know he doesn't he maybe Triple H thinks that Cena will will come in you know, not bringing his A-est of A-games. Here's the thing about your theory. I like it. I think it's very psychological. I think it's very creative, which is very you. But I don't think creative... I, I don't think WWE creative is that creative. I know. That's why it's a theory. I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is fact. Here's what I want to happen, though. Let's fantasy book our lives. Let's bring you, haul your ass to Stanford, Connecticut. Okay. Find someone uncreative and pitch that theory. Sabi mo like, pare, feeling ko, ganito yung nangyari kasi ganito, ganito, ganito. And they'll probably give you like a contract on the spot to go to creative. They'll be like, dude, that's more creative than we've ever gotten. No way. You know, they would have, they, if it were up to creative, the creative team, they would give me a contract. But it's, since it's up to Vince, and Vince isn't, uh, while he's a genius, he's not really the sharpest knife in the, sh- in the shelf um, when it comes to booking and when it comes to creative matters. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to expect that much. Fine. That's our battleground rundown. No Daniel Bryan, no word on Daniel Bryan so far. Not from the WWE side of things, but news has come out. And there are sources that say that Daniel Bryan is going to undergo shoulder surgery once again. And those same sources have said that 
since they keep finding new health issues with Daniel Bryan, there is no timetable at all for his return. Um, he's been written out of plans entirely until um, they know he can, when he can come back. And that's not a good thing, especially for us who like our GOAT, us who like our, our Daniel Bryan. And... Well, the reason why he has so many problems with his health right now is because of his wrestling style, mostly. Um, it's kind of like what happened to Chris Benoit. Again, I, I hate to reference it, but I have to reference it. Um, Chris Benoit um, wrestled a really hardcore, really physical, intense style. And in a way, while not as hardcore, while not as intense, while not as extreme, Daniel Bryan also puts his body on the line night after night after night. And this is... Something we've talked about before Funny thing is We've actually mentioned Daniel Bryan in the past As a safer Chris Benoit But right now I think what we need to figure out Is how to make Daniel Bryan Even safer Because apparently He's not safe enough Right Safer Chris Benoit Is not safe enough And it's it kind of sucks Because um Maybe his mindset Or maybe the WWE's mindset Or the road agent's mindset Or whoever it is In charge of you know um, Going over his offense with him um, Maybe they think that in order for him to really get over, to keep to continue being over, he has to be high flying and everything. High flying, high, really exciting, really stiff. High risk. Yeah, high risk. And maybe, maybe that's what they think he should do. All right. So how do we make Daniel Bryan safer? I mean, I'm not as big of an expert when it comes to technicality, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this. Um, it's really simple. I want Daniel Bryan to focus more on his technical skills. His technical in-ring skills. He he is a good submission wrestler. He is a submission specialist. He's been billed as such even. Right. And did you, do you remember his YouTube videos back when he was a rookie? Yes, I do. Mr. Brian Danielson. That's his YouTube channel. This was around the same time when Zack Ryder was starting off with ZTLIS. Right, right, right. And he was teaching. Uh, he had videos teaching people how to apply submission holds. He did. He did. I actually remember this very yeah, much. These were, these were really nice videos. And it was a shame that he had to stop them. Right, and I want him to go back to that character. I want him to focus more on the slow, on methodical ways yeah, of methodical. how to ground and pound your opponent. And submission wrestling isn't boring. It's not boring. I mean, I remember Chris Benoit, and William Regal having those classic matches. Right, and not just that. Daniel Bryan makes it exciting. Um, the best submission wrestlers have always held that the best submission wrestlers make submission wrestling as exciting as lucha libre. Amen. And I think that if Daniel Bryan can actually push his, uh, you know, push the submission side of him more than his high risk, uh, jumping around high flyer style, it could actually lead to him lasting longer in the WWE ring. Yeah, and um, um, he, you know, he flies around. He flies to the outside. He flies to the inside. He does the diving headbutt. I think he should stop doing the diving headbutt because you know it did it worked as well for Chris Benoit. You know, you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. And I just want him. If he wants to be stiff, he wants to, if he wants to do the martial arts kicks, the martial arts uh, knees, he wants to do that, fine. But I want him to you know, stay on the ground a bit more. I want him to ground, to crawl a bit more. Mm, that's something different. I mean, uh, I, I, want, I, I can't actually imagine Daniel Bryan crawling. Well, yeah, well it's not really crawling. No, I, I get yeah, what you mean. No, I get what you mean. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I'm just making sure. Right, that, I am it, just making sure. Right, that in my head, it's a, it's a different image to the Daniel Bryan we've gone accustomed to, especially over the last two years. And this is something that Edge has um, an opinion on. You know, as as you know, um, his years of wrestling, um, the years of his wrestling style, um, you know, led to him having a really really bad neck that almost killed him. And that's why Edge had to retire really early, like in his mid thirties. Right, and, but uh, no, but uh, as early as say two thousand two. 
um, you know, all those years back in his career, Edge realized that he had to slow down and focus more on what makes a good wrestler, what makes a good actor in the ring. But the difference between Edge and Daniel Bryan is when Edge had that realization, he was like still earlier on in his career. Gets no, no, what? No, 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 no. This is when he broke his neck. Yeah, the first time when Edge broke his neck the first time, he was earlier on in his career than Daniel Bryan is in his career now. Keep in mind that Daniel Bryan has been wrestling for 10 years before he even entered NXT. But you have to keep in mind that the WWE schedule is different from the indie schedule. In the WWE, you have to wrestle Raw. You have to wrestle Main Event, maybe. You have to wrestle SmackDown. And then in between, you have to wrestle house shows. Uh-huh. So that's like more than at least more than three days of wrestling a week. Right. And in the indies, you just take whatever bookings you can get. Maybe they're um, months apart. A month apart, weeks apart. Okay, and that's a really that's a less of a strain on your body. Fine. So you're saying that Edge and Daniel Bryan, when Edge broke his neck, and when Daniel Bryan right now is going through his shoulder thing, had the same time lang sila in their careers. Maybe, maybe not not same time, but maybe they've taken you know, maybe they maybe they've taken an equal amount of punishment. Like their odometers are basically on the same range, right? Maybe, now. maybe, and you know, um. We've been saying that this is the first time Daniel Bryan got injured ever since he signed with the WWE. Right. But now we're realizing that it's really bad than we thought. It is very bad. It's so bad that we have no idea. Nobody has an idea when Daniel Bryan is coming back. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's the WWE's rigorous schedule. And, you know, um, that's an argument for an offseason, but that's another topic for another day. But here's the question, though. On whom should the onus be for Daniel Bryan to change his style? Should it be a directive coming from the, the WWE or should it be on Daniel Bryan himself? Because he can change his style all he wants. But if the WWE dictates that he should keep wrestling that high-flying, high-risk style, then I don't think there's much that Daniel Bryan can do in trying to change his style, which favors uh, submissions more. I don't think Daniel Bryan is a stupid man. I think that if he knows he has to save his life by wrestling less, um, less risky... Then he'll do that. I'm sure he'll do that. And in a way, the crowd will still love him. The crowd will still chant yes for him. And 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 like like and like he has before, like they have before, the WWE will have no choice if Daniel Bryan remains over, but to listen and follow. I just hope that they do because I'd like to think that the WWE is getting scared of putting their faith in uh, Daniel Bryan again, especially because of this injury. Well. And the severity of this yeah, injury. Yeah, exactly. And the severity of the injury now makes me understand why um, the WWE is now getting more and more scared of putting their faith in them. I just hope that they believe in Daniel Bryan again. Because right now, for the rest of us, Boo. that's about as much as we can Boo. do. That's as much Boo. as we can do right now. Let it not be said that we had any other options. That's right. all we can do. Right. Bottom line, I want Brian to wrestle safer. I want him to focus more on his technical um, offense. And that's how you make Daniel Bryan safer. Right. We've actually come to a very, very long edition of this week's podcast. And I actually like it. Uh, so much to talk about. You can bounce off ideas with us, by the way, on, on every topic from the AWVs revealed to Daniel Bryan being safer. To the Battleground card. Uh, to the response and Bosch's list. To the Damien Sandow weekly update. By tweeting well. us. You right. can tweet us. It's at Stan947. At Row is War. And right now, we're about to close the podcast. But, of course, we can't do that by giving you our pick of the week. Now, the pick of the week, in case you're new to this, is something that happened in wrestling this week. It could be a segment, a match, a promo that you absolutely have to watch. You can't miss it. 
So pick of the week. I'll let you have it this, uh, first this time. Right. Okay. So I'm going to interpret week as the past seven days. So I'm going to include last week's NXT. Okay. And my pick of the week is the main event of last week's NXT. Sami Zayn versus Justin Gabriel. Oh, wow. Yes. Really, really underrated match. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. SGP, I posted a link. Go watch it. I did watch it as soon as you posted the link. I was blown away. It was a great match. I like the ending. I like the storytelling as well, like how gradual it is. Right. There, there were subtleties there, which I, I appreciated because I, I do love subtle storytelling. So... I think it's a good pick Right Sami Zayn We all know is already A good wrestler But Justin Gabriel Is really underrated By people Because um, he doesn't get That much exposure um, And I really really like um, What Justin Gabriel Brought to the table In this past NXT And I really really like A heel international airstrike Remember that theory You propose Or that suggestion Where if uh, an NXT star were to face a main roster star, that main roster star spot would be put on the line. It yeah, would have been yeah, a great right. storytelling device for this match. Right. Um. You know. Um. Sami Zayn competing for Justin Gabriel's spot. Right. Right. Well. Well. It doesn't really make. It doesn't really apply now since you know we hardly see Justin Gabriel in the main shows anymore. Pero but sayang. yeah, you're right. No. Yeah. Sayang. Sayang. But uh, either way, good match, solid match. If you haven't seen it yet, do yourselves a favor and go watch it. My pick of the week, uh, on the other hand, has to be that promo between Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt. I've been salivating over it, and I guess there is no other uh, no other choice for me if I had to make my own individual choice. I've been excited for these promos, and I'm I, I really hope they milk this all the way to the bank. These promos between Jericho and Wyatt are about to get a little bit more psychological. I'd like to think so because of the whole "save me, Jericho, save us" thing. And the whole savior messianic complex that Bray Wyatt is trying to bring to the table. So I want more. Thank you, Bray Wyatt. Thank you, Chris Jericho. Keep me wanting more. Right, right, right. And I'm really excited on what else they do. Because I know Jericho. I know he has big things planned. He wouldn't come back without a huge plan. And I really am excited on what they have in store for us. So those are our picks of the week. What's your pick of the week? Once again, you can tweet us or you can find us on Facebook and just be part of SGP. If you found us because of the podcast, do let us know. We are on Facebook.com slash groups slash Pilipinas. And if you're listening to us not on iTunes, not on Android, actually you can listen to us on Android, on your favorite podcast app. I've got my my podcast app, Podcast Addict, and I'm subscribed to us. <laughs> All right. Right. And so that means you can do it on Android, not just on iTunes or iOS. And you can find us on Buzzsprout and on SoundCloud and on Mixcloud as well. And of course, on iTunes, because I know that's where you've probably downloaded this podcast. But we're saying that you can listen to us anywhere now. Even if you don't have iTunes, even if you don't have an iPod or iPhone and Android, you can listen to us. You can listen to us on our website, sgppodcast.buzzsprout.com. There's so much to look forward to, especially with the Smart Gilas Pilipinas podcast and with wrestling, the wrestling calendar moving towards SummerSlam. But we're going to tease this right now. We've got our first guest for our very first interview. Very first guest. I'm so excited for this. On the Smart Gilas Pilipinas podcast. We're not going to tell you yet who it is. But so let's, excited. Let's just say our national pride will be swelling once we get this interview underway. But for now. So, so excited. We got to call it a day gotta yeah, call right. it a week we have to thank you so much for clicking play and for downloading this and we also have to thank the wonderful people at Mellow 94.7 for always letting us use their studios for the recording of this podcast thank you Mellow for now we gotta sign out my name is Stan my name is Ro and you guys have a great weekend peace you're welcome
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 